Welcome, everybody, to the Pierce Point Podcast. We are glad that you are joining us today. We're going to pick up where we left off uh, in last podcast on Luke 17, and we are going to begin in verse 11, and we're going to get into some interesting things. Number one, obviously, the the, uh, the story of the ten lepers. But at the sec- uh, at the second part of this, if uh, depending on how the time goes, we're going to find ourselves venturing into what many uh, view to be uh, comments about the second coming of Jesus. And there's some interesting thoughts definitely on that. Um, but we're going to go right into it. Yesterday, one of the uh, comments or the last uh podcast, one of the comments was that we belong to God and that was a humbling idea in that belonging to God or that we are a part of his kingdom or that he dwells in us or in our midst, that humbling idea, it um, it leads us to repentance. And I do believe that that is the case. I believe that when we recognize that God, the God of the universe in all of his majesty has come to dwell in our hearts, um, it really should cause a, a serious sense of humility. And in that humility, uh, it often provokes that that need for us to say, Lord, you know, I'm not, I'm not clean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not what you, um, what you deserve. Uh, and so there's a, there's a bit of repentance there. There's a bit of humility. And I think that that's worth it, worth, uh, worth considering. So great comments on the, uh, the version Bible app, as well as through, uh, Facebook and other means. So thank you guys for that. And we're going to continue to invite you to, to engage with us more and more on that. So, uh, as we jump in, we're starting at verse 11, the story of the 10 lepers. What stands out to you, sir? Well, I think this is a this is a very interesting story in that uh, we we see in Scripture many times about lepers being cleansed or healed. Uh, we don't see that in our country uh, quite all, uh, uh, as often as far as uh, the disease of uh, leprosy, which is a skin condition. But but in this case, Jesus is entering this village. He's between Samaria and uh, Galilee. And he comes upon ten of them, and it wasn't unusual there again for them to congregate. Right. So he uh, he jumps right in, and they were standing at a distance, of course, which was required by the law. Yes, uh, they didn't want they didn't want other people to be infected with uh, leprosy, which was highly contagious disease. Absolutely. So interesting. We we jump into this, and it says while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. Ten lepers men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." Now, I'm not I'm not sure that this um, is intended by Luke, but this does seem to put Jesus right in the picture of the Good Samaritan. He's on his way somewhere, mm-hmm. and as he's stopping by, there's this. Uh, there are these people who who desperately need his help. So. I find that interesting. It just it seems a parallel to mm-hmm. me as mm-hmm. I'm as I'm reading it. But then he uh, these these ten lepers cry out, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us!" And that is notable to me because uh, because the idea of calling him Master, calling him some form of Lord, uh, we we see that Simon calls him this too. He says, "Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I." Uh, I will do as you say, let down and let down the nets. This is Luke five five. Um, it's interesting. This is the same. This is the same identifier that Peter would use of Jesus uh, earlier. So mm-hmm. I don't know. They, mm-hmm. They're recognizing the power of this one somehow. Sure, sure. And I love that that Luke once again seems to be the guy that ends up seeing the physical pieces of things that are going on in a story, or ends up uh, ends up. Uh, relaying that piece, because at some point, as as we've talked about before, while Luke wasn't at there, wasn't let me back up, wasn't there at the time of this story. Right, this story had been relayed, and and it also uh, so he was relaying what was told to him. So he noted that these men were standing at a distance, which would have there again not been unusual. Uh, right. because they didn't want lepers very close. They generally stayed in colonies or were uh, separated from everyone else. Yeah. So they were standing at a distance. They were forbidden by the law to 
to, to come near to those uh, who, who were healthy for fear of infecting them. And, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think again, with this, this title master, it could be, it could um, indicate something unique in their minds. And that was that throughout Luke's gospel, we see master being the title that the disciples use. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, the general population would refer to Jesus over and over as teacher. So I don't know if they've overheard. I don't know if they've, I don't know if they're catching on. I don't know what's happening with these lepers, but we're clear in all that you've pointed out. They're, they're, they're not allowed legally. They're not allowed to go mingling with the rest of the crowd. This would be a, a big no-no and they would, mm-hmm. they would have, uh, you know, there would be repercussions for that. But anyway, nonetheless, They say, Master, have mercy on us, verse 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, I I am impressed by this because um, Jesus is following Jewish law. Oh, absolutely. Here. He is. Go, go and and get your ceremonial cleaning, uh, your ceremonial um, uh profession of your cleansing mm-hmm. by the priest. Go ahead and do that. And you notice that every one of these lepers, it says in the next verse, and they were going, and as they were going, they were cleansed. Yeah. All 10 of yeah. these are cleansed. This is important. Yeah. So go ahead. Now, here is a, here's a very interesting note that in the, the Jewish uh, laws or their practices, actually, uh, if, a, if a Jew was discovered to have a skin rash, or a skin disorder, the first one they went to was to the priest to examine them. So it would be like going to the doctor. And if that priest determined mm-hmm. whether they had a, a contagious disease, and, and most generally they could, they could spot uh, leprosy right away, then they were to be declared ceremonially unclean. So yeah. it's not a stretch for Jesus to say, these are the same guys that, that declared you unclean, Go to them now, because yes. they're going to be the ones going to ceremonially declare you clean again. Even though they didn't do the work, they're going to be the ones that's going to say, oh, what this guy Jesus did actually worked. These guys are not lepers anymore. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Leviticus 14 really is where we where we find this whole teaching on uh, the cleansing of the leper, right? And just a couple of pieces that I'll, I'll kind of share here. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest. This is verse mm-hmm. two, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? This is this is what we're supposed to do, or what they're supposed to do. And the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and cedar wood, and a scarlet string. And hyssop <laughs> for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. Uh, as for the live bird, and it goes on through all this idea, and, and this, this ceremony is all about this declaration. And then it would say, and it will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. I mean, obviously you see where they're going with this. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure, they want to ensure there is total cleansing, right? He's going to wash his clothes. He's going to bathe his body uh, and he's going to be clean. And then very, very symbolic. Now, on the eighth day, he is to take two male lambs, one without defect, uh, or both without defect, and a yearling ewe lamb without defect, and three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. And the priest who pronounces him clean shall present the man to be cleansed, and the uh, aforesaid before so that this person before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting and the priest shall take the one uh, male lamb and bring it for a guilt offering with the log of oil and present it. And so the whole idea here, we've got this eighth day 
uh, Jewish boys were circumcised on the eighth day. Eight uh, meant new beginnings. Mm-hmm. So this leper has this whole kind of cycle, and then they roll into the eighth day, and he uh, or she would be cleansed, whoever, mm-hmm. whoever this leper might be. So they were to go and show themselves to the priest. We're back to Luke 17. And as they were going, mm-hmm. they were cleansed. Mm-hmm. So amazing that Jesus tells these these 10 lepers go to the priests and, and get your, you know, get your cleansing. There's an interesting note here that priest is actually in the plural, just like the 10 lepers. So conjecture says something about the, uh, the Samaritan going to a Samaritan priest or something. There's no confirmation of that, but, Mm -hmm. but it isn't plural. So he tells them to go, but when was a leper to go to the priest? When he was cleansed. Mm -hmm. So they hadn't even, there was this idea that they said, you know, help us, you know, you know, master, have mercy on us. He says, go show yourself to the priest. You would think that they would say, um, care to give us something first, (laughs) right? Care to heal us first. But it's on their way that the scripture says they were cleansed. It is amazing to me that they followed Jesus' command and they started going to the priest when they were still lepers. Yes. And you you would uh you would think, like you've said, it's uh I I kinda think maybe we need to be healed before we do this. Yeah. But they but this this was truly, if you think about stepping out in faith and and this was truly a stepping out in faith. Now obviously these guys, and as you've pointed out, one of them was a Samaritan. Uh, one of these guys and and the others would have been Jews more right. than likely, and uh, uh, these guys had heard about Christ. They had heard him at least enough to say, "We believe this guy can can heal us, and we believe it so much that when he says go, we're going to go. Yeah. Even though we still have leprosy, when we turn around to go, we're going to go. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's that's an amazing thing. So. I'm I'm impressed by their faith. First without of all, without doubt, without doubt, um, uh, this is one of those strange uh, verses in the scripture, strange strange accounts in the New Testament, in which uh, this um, this idea at first of their faith is not mentioned. Okay, their mm-hmm. their faith is not mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get to a really interesting. Uh, challenge here in just a second mm-hmm. when their faith is mentioned or when the one's faith is mentioned. But what we have to do before we get there is set a clear understanding of what has happened. First of all, as they were going, they were cleansed. So the question that we have to ask is, how many of the 10 were healed? And the answer is all 10 were healed, okay? Then it says in verse 15, now one of them when he saw that he had been healed, now they all recognize this, but this one saw that he had been healed. He turned back and glorified God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Now that whole giving thanks at Jesus's feet is, a, is an offering of worship, recognizing Jesus to be God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus doesn't turn him down. This is something angels would have said, stand up, don't worship me, yes. don't you do this. But Jesus Jesus knows who he is, this guy knows who he is, so he runs back to his feet and he is, and he is glorifying God and he's giving thanks to him and he was a Samaritan. There's our really important line of who we're dealing with here, he was a Samaritan. But verse 17 is where we get into a very interesting uh, part of this story. It says... And Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but the nine, where are they? But okay, Jesus is asking a really Mm. obscure question. Uh, Well, they're going to the priest, right? They're going to the priest. Well, sure, maybe they are. But they they should, they ought to have given glory to God. So verse 18 says, was not one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. And now we have the bigger point that Jesus is making, Mm -hmm. that Jesus is cleansing everyone. That's Mm -hmm. who is represented Mm -hmm. here. 10, you have Jews and you have the foreigner, everyone in the world. And the only one that seems to want to return and give glory to God is one who's not in covenant relationship with God. Yes, It's the foreigner. What what an obscure situation. Well, this is, to me, this is one of the most 
one of the most uh, intriguing stories that Jesus has told, one of the most intriguing parables that he's told, because first of all, he doesn't require uh, any type of a ritual with exception of going to the priest, obeying him and then going to the priest. Now, there are some parallels to an Old Testament story. You 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 may uh, uh, recall Naaman, the leper Absolutely. that was healed. There again, he was not a Jew. He was not a Jew, and he had been required. I think it was Elisha that healed him. God uh, healed, healed him, him through right. Elisha, but but Elisha had told him to go dip in the Jordan and all this all yeah, these things seven times and seven times yeah. and all of that. There wasn't any specific instruction other than to go show, show yourself to the priest. So uh, here, here's what I'm thinking or what I'm seeing in this is that, first of all, I think there was a specific, an unsaid instruction, but I think there was still an instruction. I think, and, we're, and, and I think this may very well be where you're going, maybe, but there is a when we talk about someone who believes, these guys believed, obviously, that Jesus could heal him. They had, evidently, they had faith to believe that he could heal them. Of course. So faith is uh, belief, and it, it doesn't exist kind of in a vacuum. So their faith was exhibited in what they did. So if you think about this, they... They, they, they did what Christ said, so they had faith. So they actually obeyed him. They had faith enough to obey him. If they had looked at themselves before they went to the priest, they would have, they would have been like, we've said, I'm not healed. I don't know that I'm healed. But I think about what James says in uh, James 2. He said, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. If they hadn't had enough faith to actually turn around and go to the priest... I wonder would they have been healed? Right, right, and that and it is an intriguing question, and I think that sets us into this faith. deeper <laughs> faith problem yes. that we're we're yes. dealing with here. It does. Because what Jesus is about to say, although it's true of the one who comes back in gratitude, we learned above it was true of the other nine as well. It 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 wasn't about his gratitude. His gratitude was beautiful. Yes. his gratitude was. I believe necessary, right? Uh, I believe that Jesus in verse 18 is pointing out that the foreigner was the only one who's willing to praise God for what's happening. In other words, it's as though his healing was, uh, his healing was something that he recognized God to be gracious in giving. The other viewed themselves to be either owed this or mm. something like this. It's, it, these are, these are interesting things to just parse through in your in your brain. But verse 19, here's, here's what it says. It says, and he said to him, this is after Jesus makes the declaration, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Who is Jesus talking about? Mm. Two, right? He, if he was talking directly to this foreigner, he would have said, none of the other guys came but you? Yeah, yeah. But he he's declaring something, yes. a question to someone Around, obviously, we can see the context of, of, of this group, but the, the point still remains that he's not talking directly to the guy. And then verse 19, he says, and he said to him, so he goes back to the guy, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Well, all the other ones, faith made them well too. Mm. They were all mm. healed. So the question is, did, did Jesus rescind the healing from the others or did they go healed and God does uh, what some, some uh, scholars would call or some theologians would call common grace? Did he just pour out his love and his affection and his grace on his own people and yet they're just not grateful for it? I think that's likely. I think I think God does good things to all people. Mm -hmm. But what he is expecting, what he's desiring is a return. And that return is, thank you. That return is, well, God is worthy of praise. You know, he is the one who's healed me. But it is really interesting to think about that right above, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. That, mean they, that means they were healed. Mm -hmm. Cleansed, healed. That's the same idea here. 
in this text. And then verse 19, and he said to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. This man had already been made well, Mm -hmm. but Jesus wants to illustrate his faith here. And it has to do with his gratitude and something, uh, some other things. So interesting thoughts. I don't know. It is. It's it's just just a great story. And there's a lot there's a lot in this, and I think that probably uh, if we look at, at verse 19 there, it, some of the original language that that verse would read, uh, stand up and go, your faith has saved you. Yes. That, that presents, a, presents an issue for some that, that did, did this man get something different by coming back and being grateful? Right. Did he... Was there something else that that happened? Was there another work that was done by Christ at, for this man because he had come back with gratitude? I, I I don't know. I mean, we can read the language, but we yeah, it's it's very very difficult because it's 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 an intriguing story because there are many there's a there's a few loose ends I think as we think about them, but 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 I think Jesus had certainly had in mind a message that yes. was coming out through this, yes. and he starts to kind of unroll that a little yeah. bit. So, so therefore, when we go a little bit deeper into that question, what we come away with, okay, and that, I know that this is just going to pester some, <laughs> some people. So uh, if we looked at this from maybe the way I was brought up in a, uh, more, a more charismatic, more Pentecostal background, what people would say is, look, right there is proof his faith was the was the was the reason why he was healed but if we take if we take into consideration these two ideas number 1 verse 14 says they were already healed mm-hmm. everybody was healed and the literal interpretation of the words has made you well as you pointed out being saved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then what is actually being said here is sure all of you were healed you return in gratitude and that faith has saved you mm-hmm. who did you return to you returned in in some ways <laughs> in some ways you might you might conclude he went to the right priest mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. He ran to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Yes. I, I, again, this is the fun part of biblical interpretation. Sometimes you have to throw out an idea. Now, it doesn't mean every idea you throw out is valid. It just means yes. you got to throw out an idea and you have to weigh that idea. So if verse 19 has made you well is literally translated has saved you, it changes our our ideas of doctrines and idea uh, doctrines and philosophies so for example when we say you know by his stripes you are healed does that mean you are healed or does it mean mm-hmm. by his stripes you are saved mm-hmm. uh, i would i would uh, lean towards the latter mm-hmm. okay i yes. believe that that's what the atonement was intending to accomplish right here we actually see it in plain language stand up and go your faith has saved you yes. Yes. Not you were already cleansed. I did that. Mm-hmm. I, this was a this was a generous gift of me, right? So this puts a damper in that Pentecostal or that charismatic idea that says, ah, it was faith that was contingent in order to get healed. In in this, that that isn't mentioned. The faith is mentioned to save him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The faith is mentioned to save him. Now, some might conclude and say, yeah, but they had to go. And it says while they went, they were cleansed. Okay, maybe we can conclude something about mm-hmm. faith there. We, we just said it. But, you know, maybe we can conclude something, conclude something about faith there that says, uh, you know, faith without works is dead. Yeah. So if you're walking, then that's the faith that's observable. And therefore there is healing that is done there. Well, praise God. If that is what's supposed to be deduced there, that's fine. But but we have to be honest and say, we're reading a lot into that. We don't yes. know. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But what we can say is that if we were to take 19 on its Greek face, the, the Greek language, it actually reads, and he said to him, stand up and go, your faith has saved you. Mm-hmm. That is in a contrast to the others yes, whose yes, faith yes. is not saved. There's another interesting angle, I think, for me that I just, I, I look at this and I see that all 10 uh, were somewhat willing to do 
the ceremonially, uh, the 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 religious ceremony yes. going to the priest. And that would seem because that was required of them. It was right. necessarily required. Now I don't know that it may was it required of the Samar- Samaritan. I don't know because mm-hmm. you've you know as you've noted there's a there's an, a, a some folks that believe that the plural of priests was there. This guy was going right. to a different priest, but we, we don't know what that was. Right. What we do know for sure is that they were all tended willing to do some type of a ceremony. Yes, but only one of them was filled with enough gratitude and praise to God that they would, he would come back yeah. and say, hey, I, I'm going to give praise to the one through whom this yeah. healing came. I'm going to praise God for this. Yeah. Well, let, let's, invite, let's invite those of you listening into kind of a fun moment of discovery as we're talking through this. Because one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is not just come to you with a bunch of facts and trying to throw them at you and say, look how much we know. There's a lot of this that we learn ourselves as we're going through it. There's a lot that comes through. Uh, Barney will share some piece of information that he's discovered, and I find that fascinating. And and so there's, there's a little give and take here, but there's also discovery that happens uh, at times within our study within our discovery. And here, here's what I'm discovering now. Here's, here's something of, of uh, consideration here. And that is the reason why priests is plural is because Jesus is referring to himself. Mm. Mm. So if priests is plural and he sends them away and he says, go, uh, remember, go show yourself to the priests, okay, to the priests, plural, he's testing them. And the test would be, do they know who the true priest is? God, Jesus being him. And who comes back? We make this story about gratitude, and rightly so. There is definitely this element of gratitude in it, and we must recognize that. Jesus himself commends it. The only one to give glory to God is this foreigner. So, So gratitude is in it. But what if the reason why priest is plural is not some unprovable idea of a Samaritan priest, which, you know, that's conjecture. People don't know, and they can't prove that. But what if that priest, that plural, is that Jesus is saying, uh, go to the priests, and I'll find out which one you pick is, yeah. the, is the right one. Now, that, that wasn't the contingent piece of their healing, but it makes complete sense of verse 19, which is why he says, your faith has saved you because those priests couldn't save people, exactly. but this priest can. And that's a, that's a great, I, I love that because not only could they not save him, save, they couldn't heal him. Right. There, there was no... Yeah, Jesus has no, already no, shown that. Yes. <laughs> These guys it's, do nothing. So it is, it's, it's a very, very intriguing few verses here that make you think. And, and, and I, I, I think that if we... If we open up our mind and our heart and say, God, I, I, I want to understand your word. I want to know what it is. And many, many times we're going to see that in the context of the story itself. We're going to know what it was Absolutely. that Jesus was, tr- was trying to say. And sometimes it, it was a message to others that is beneficial to us. But there are times that there are things that are still in that message to others that we can see that 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 make all kinds of sense. Yes, you know, uh, like I I completely understand. I can see where, in this case, I can see where going to the correct priest would be. That I, I can completely see that. Yeah. I I see where James has said, "Hey, I, I show me, you know, I, 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 faith without works." Yeah. Is dead. If they could have had faith, but what if they had said, "We're not going to the priest"? Yeah, what would I, I have think, happened? I think. W- what if the connection here has to do with the particular disease too? Mm. We're dealing with leprosy, which was a which was an issue of cleanliness. Okay, he didn't have ten guys with shriveled hands and say, "You know, go." And while they were while they were walking, they were. They were healed. Here, you know, their arms were made whole. Here, it is about clean, unclean. 
These were 10 unclean. They'd been made clean. Go to the priest to, to acknowledge this. And the one, when he recognizes he's clean, he runs back to the cleanser. He runs mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. the one who can make him clean, which is the ultimate priest. So it's just a bit of, of discovery. And so maybe we've, maybe we've uh, stumbled onto something there, just a, a fun way of looking at that. So verse 20. This is now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Interesting, hmm. interesting statements here. What's your thoughts? Very, very interesting. I. It almost seems like, once again, this was kind of thrown in all of a sudden. We don't know the span of time, if there was any span of time, between verse 19 and 20, because we know that the Pharisees are always laying in wait, if you will, for Jesus to say something, or they, if they're not catching uh, something or catching him in something that he's saying at the time, they'll ask him a question yeah. that will that 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 they think may prompt him to say something that he can get caught up in what he's saying. I don't know what the circumstances is, the time frame between verse nineteen and 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 verse twenty. It seems to be flowing, uh, but they yes. come right and says, you know, they were they come to him. The Pharisees come and ask, well, when is the kingdom of God coming? Yes. When is it coming? Yes. You're talking a lot about things that God's going to do, and when He's going to do it, when's that going to, ha- yeah. going to happen? I, I, I think if you think about it, and we know from history many times, most times the Pharisees had a completely different understanding of what it would look like for the kingdom of God to come. Yes. Most of them believed it was going to take them out from under Roman rule. Most of them believed that, in fact, they were going to kick the Romans out and and that God Himself was going to set up set, set these guys up yes. in, as rulers and the authorities, and their view of the kingdom of God was drastically different yes. than Jesus' view of yeah. the kingdom of God. I, I believe there's two two ways that I would I would challenge people to read this. Number one, um, number one is to uh, disregard the chapter or paragraph breaks. In, in your Bibles and try to assess based on content and surrounding context whether or not something always makes sense in its flow. So what we, what we seem to have here, at least in the NASB, we have it, the end of the story of the 10 uh, lepers and then this flowing into an obscure other story without any break whatsoever in the NASB. So it sounds like Jesus says, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, having been questioned by Pharisees, it doesn't seem to go together. Mm -hmm. It seems very disconnected. Um, Meanwhile, uh, there is a break from 21 to 22 in the NASB and many Bibles and it usually comes with this heading about the second coming and all of this stuff. But here's here's what I want to challenge people to think about when they're reading it. Let's let's put just for a little bit of time. Let's suspend verse nineteen from verse twenty. Let's let's put the break there. And so Jesus says to this leper, "Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you." Story mm-hmm. done. Okay, story's done. Verse twenty begins another story. Okay, and what I'm about to share with you is common for Jesus to do, although he does answer these this uh, hypothetical question or this question of a Pharisee that we don't know, like you just pointed out. We don't know the circumstance. We don't know if they're trying to trap him. We don't know if they're mad at him. We just don't even know. Okay, but we can conclude a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So he says, so let's let's put 19 above and say end of story. Verse 20. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees, a new new paragraph, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered and said, and the answer comes at the end. Okay, this mm-hmm. is just the circumstance. He says, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. So what's the answer to the question? When is the kingdom of God coming? Jesus says, it's here. It's here. The kingdom of God is in your midst. He's already said that. Mm -hmm. What he has addressed is, 
by the way, you guys think that there's going to be bells and whistles. There's pomp and to-do. Mm-hmm. There's going to be an overthrow of Roman occupation or something like this. It's not coming with those signs. Yes. As a matter of fact, it's already here, and you've already you've already not seen mm-hmm. that it's here. Okay, so so we got a paragraph break. At least I'm I'm asking you guys to read it this way. We have a paragraph break, and then as he does this, he answers them and says, "It's in your midst." He also says to his disciples something, which is common for Jesus to do. There are times when Jesus would ask, be asked a question, and it says, and he turned to the crowds and said, mm-hmm. and he turned to his disciples and said. So, so Jesus effectively answers, don't get me wrong, he, he answers, but then it seems as though he's not done with his lesson about the kingdom of God, okay? And it's present nature, when he turns to his disciples and says, the days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Now, I just want to take our brains away from second coming ideas for just a second. Mm-hmm. First of all, they didn't all recognize this was the first coming. Right. Exactly. He hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't raised from the dead. So let's just think about this for a second. He says to the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. If I just put that into his straight up talk, he's saying, there's going to be days when I'm not here and you're going to wish that you saw me. There's days coming here very soon when you're going to wish that I was in your midst, but I have to go somewhere. I have to go do something. I don't know. Just want want to think about it. What are, what yes. are your thoughts? Of well, I... I think that we see very shortly after this that that, that actually happened to these guys, right. and so which would which would somewhat lean make you, to that. Yes, and it would make you stall out a little bit on this being uh, a second coming right. prophecy. It would make that you. It would make you slow that down, and 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 there are, uh, and and he just goes on to say that uh, don't. They're going to say to you, oh, it's, he's over here, he's over there, look over here, look over there. But he says, don't run after them. So some of these things happened to right. these guys. Right, so absolutely. There, there were, now, there's two ways, I think, as you've said, to look at this. I think we, if we take it out of the context of the second, second coming, in their minds, that was like, as you've said, they didn't recognize that this was his first coming. <laughs> and the, so certainly, so... If you if you think about it from a from their view, and 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 G, you know Jesus had all of this in mind. I think I think Absolutely. he had all of this in mind. He knew that there was going to come a day, a very soon, very soon, when he's went went to the cross, and there and they longed to see him. They right. longed to see him alive. Right. Well, they did, but they're they're there, and then after this, after this as well, even after. He comes back in bodily form to them, uh, and 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 they still there were times that they longed to have him Absolutely. right there with them. So this is a uh, another another difficult story, but I believe there's a lot of things in yeah. here. And we're keep and we're going to unpack through. them. We're going to unpack them. I think there's a couple things that I would say at the outset. Is number one, we do believe in a second coming. Absolutely. That's not the yes. issue. Yes. The issue is what texts talk about that. Yeah. That's the yeah. first one. Um, the second thing I think we we need to always uh, keep in mind here is what is the context telling us, right? What what it, what are we reading about? Uh, because we can't just go inserting our now, you know, our, our new understanding or our new information back into this. The people would have had no framework. And the third thing I would say is that it's not beyond possibility that Jesus is telling them something they don't have a file folder for. I don't, I don't actually have a problem if it is a second coming sure. verse or a passage, but I want us to really give a little bit better thought to when we're studying scripture. So so look at what verse 23 says. It sounds a lot like 21, okay? He says, they will say to you, look there, look here. Do not go away and do not run after them. Um, what were they? What were they looking for? Signs to be observed. Look here it is, look there it is. Jesus says, it's in your midst. 
So he says to them, do not go away. Do not go away Mm. from him, potentially. Don't don't run after them. Mm -hmm. And do not, and he literally says it, and do not run after them, okay? Don't go after them. For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. It appears that Jesus is saying, my time here is short. Mm-hmm. It's going to move quickly. Now, I just want people to consider this idea as we're reading through it. So verse 25, but first he must suffer many things. My day is going to be quick, mm-hmm. but I haven't even suffered yet. Yeah. And I have yeah. to suffer first. But first, many things, uh, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, yeah, because Jesus is hanging out and having dinner with these people. Mm -hmm. And they were marrying, they were being given in marriage. Many of them were giving excuses to the leader of the banquet why they can't come in because of this, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying and selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Now, mm. does that mean at his coming? That's the question. And I think I can say this with uh, boldness, and I need people to hear it, is is I see how people read this as a second coming idea. I absolutely do. So I'm not, again, no, no heresy here. I'm just simply saying, let's challenge this and let's ask the questions. Mm-hmm. So just as the same on that day uh, that, the, that the Son of Man is revealed, what does that mean? Do they finally see him to be the Son of God mm-hmm. when he's on the cross or when he raises? We see from the centurion that he does. Mm-hmm. It's truly, a, this is the Son of God. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just food for yeah. thought. Yeah, it's, and it's great. It's great because it does cause you to have to think about this and to, to study it. We, we can see that some of the things that he talked about here, they dealt that some of them they dealt with right away and some of the, it was not right away. Right. So at one thing we can see for sure in this, that it, it, he, he's saying, if, if, if you, if you are running after someone else after, after I'm gone or, or any other time, you're chasing the wrong person. You're right. going after the wrong person. Yes. He he said they're they're going to be tempted to to look 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 elsewhere. He he said chasing after others was you know it's it's kind of foolish. Right. It, it, and and then he says, I think he's alluding to in verse twenty four that it's kind of foolish and it's unnecessary because when he returns. It's it's going to be known when yes. he when he does it's going to be known it's going to be evident they'll they they there'll be no mistake mistaking that thing and he's and there's no need for them to worry about missing out on his kingdom and no need to go around chasing these other guys and there was a bunch of them and even after right. uh, during the days of Christ there were many that claimed to be the Messiah and yes. many of them were killed many of them were. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened. But he said, don't go following up with these people that are doing something different than I'm doing. They're not the Messiah. Don't yes. be deceived by these guys. Yes. You don't You don't need to look around and see if right. there's another one to come. Right, absolutely. So let's, let's put this, let's just kind of walk a little bit further. He says in verse 30, it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Now, again... Uh, Many people hold to this, and I, and I have for most of my life, that, that this is referring to his second coming. And we see, we see uh, cross-references to this idea in Matthew 24. Uh, of course, that is if Matthew 24 is, is actually referring to that, or, or 1 Corinthians 1.7, which talks about the revealing of uh, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that Corinthians is talking about a return of Jesus, a second coming of sorts. Here's here's the deal, though. It says, on that day, verse 31, on that day, the one who is on the housetop 
and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out, and likewise the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Now let's let's think about this in its context. Whether this is Jesus being revealed uh, as king. Uh, on the cross, resurrected Lord, or his second coming, that the idea here is this. When the Son of Man is revealed, we're not to go back into our house. We're not to turn back like Lot's mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. The context is don't look back at what you think you can save. Why is, why is that the way that we need to read this? Because this is actual, this is common judgment language or a mm-hmm. picture mm-hmm. that was well known in their day, right? That would describe uh, oftentimes... Um, it would describe an approaching army. And what would happen is that a t- approaching army would come in and they would, uh, they would attack. There's no point in you running back. You can't save anything now, mm-hmm. right? It's too late at this point. I don't know. Just interesting. Now, I understand why that seems to point at second coming mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I just throw you no, that no, idea No, I think that's great. And I, uh, I, I think that one of the things... When Jesus talks about it was the same as happened in the days of Lot in verse 28, uh, and they talk about that story, and, and he's obviously, there again, as you've said, he's talking about judgment, and it, it's, it's, it's almost like he's pointing out to them, this judgment was coming, and these people were going about their daily lives, just like you're going to be going about your daily lives. They... Uh, they were they were engaged in activities that they did every day, uh, but and and that judgment fell. Everybody was going about their daily stuff. People were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, planning. It was life as usual. It, it when when for those people in the days of Lot and in the days of Noah, when the end came, it was just life as usual to a certain point. For whatever reason, they didn't see or didn't believe that judgment was coming. And here's one of the things that that really stands out to me in this story of Noah's day. It's it's very notable that while the people of 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 Noah's day as well as, as those of Lot were exceed they were wicked people. They there right. were there was a lot of wickedness going. Jesus didn't emphasize that piece. He he didn't say that when the end came they were busily engaged in right. sinful practice, there's there's nothing necessarily evil, and we've talked about this a lot, there's nothing inherently evil about eating, drinking, marriage, uh, daily activities. These people were judged for their sin. They were, uh, uh, they were caught off guard doing what everybody does. So when we look at verses 34 and 35, the, the, the one... The, the 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 one that is taken and the one that's left are both doing the same thing. Right. Now, isn't that interesting? <laughs> right. He doesn't dis- dis- distinguish between them. They were both doing the same thing, and one was taken and one was left. Yeah. So there's a whole lot here that's yeah. to think about. Very, very much. And this is why, yet again, this is why... Uh, trying to read it void of a, a position, an end position that you're trying to argue yourself, argue yourself towards. Um, when you read it that way, it, it doesn't mean you won't come to the same conclusion you had, and it doesn't mean we won't come to the same conclusion that Jesus is in, uh, bringing out a new idea, an eschatological or an end time discourse here that is saying this is what's going to happen when I return. He, he he very very much may be doing that. I simply want us to exercise ourselves in reading it differently, mm-hmm. so that we can try to get more and more out. Of it. What we do know is that those who, in verse 31, the one who is on the housetop who goes after their goods, who goes back in, is likened to Lot's wife, mm-hmm. right? In verse 33, they are those seeking to keep their life. But the Bible says that they're going to lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. This whole thing uh, has always been argued most of my life as the coming of God. He's going to come. And it's the great uh, it's the great left behind series, yes. right? Yeah. And so what yeah. happens here is God's going to take away some. They're going to be raptured out. 
And I uh, trust me, I believe that God is coming and we are going to, uh, we are going to meet him in the clouds. I, I love that idea, right? And then there's a new heaven and a new earth and we get to live on that. But what, what I am pointing out here is that this has been used to communicate rapture language most of my life, okay? Yes, this is just, yes. it's a distinctly dispensational view, but but it's been viewed to communicate this. But when you put it in its context, something seems strange about it. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. If this is an invading army and not the second coming of Jesus, then those being taken are those that are losing. That's the negative. They're being stolen in captivity, right? Mm-hmm. This is language that these people would know, okay? Um, if it is the second coming of Jesus, then it sounds really cool that that they would be taken and the others left, so therefore it's a rapture out. But let me, let me read you a, a real important piece of commentary here. Will be taken and will be left. These appear to be divine passives. This is from the New American Commentary. Uh, if it is the Son of Man, and notice that, if it is the Son of Man, if this is about second coming, uh, then, if it is the Son of Man, however, uh, who will take or leave? Then the divine passes are used to describe his actions. This statement can be interpreted as being taken away from judgment, positive, that would be the rapture dispensational left behind idea, mm-hmm. you know, taken away, and being left for judgment, left behind, the negative. Or, or it could be read being taken away for judgment, mm-hmm. negative, yes. and being left for salvation, positive, right? Yes. This is why there is an entire view, and it is not new. It is 1,900 plus years old in church history yeah. called the Preterist View, which believes that this entire conversation was not about Jesus' return, but about the sacking of Jerusalem yeah. later in Jewish history, right? So just think about this for a second. If this is not second coming language, it makes all the sense in the world in the first part to be talking about Jesus coming and having to suffer and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what is taking place here is people being sacked by Rome or whatever. And God says, listen, just, just relax, be willing to lose your life you will save it in the end, okay? This view is a long-held view, right? So we need to be careful on how we read this, right? Uh, The commentary would go on. It says, taken is best understood as a positive Mm -hmm. because both Noah and Lot were taken. Okay, that's a perfectly good thing. But the warning was Watt's lot, Lot's wife. Mm-hmm. Watt's life. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or that the reverse, too. right? <laughs> Whatever. But Lot's wife. The warning that Jesus gives was not get in the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course they get in the boat. The warning is don't look back, mm-hmm. right? Don't look back. You need, you need to understand this. So... Th- all I'm suggesting here is that there's a lot to be talked about on a deep mm-hmm. verse like this, yes. and you got to be willing to wrestle with it. Otherwise, all you'll end up doing is fighting with people over something that both sides can't prove definitively. Right. That's right? correct. Yeah. And it takes you... What I, what I enjoy about this is the fact that it takes you out of your normal mode of how you think about the scripture. And, and that's a good thing for us to get yes. out of that normal mode. We, we cannot ever forget that we've talked about this before. We talked about it a week or so ago. We have the ability through uh, many things, the internet and all, and books and, and, and videos and all types of people who have studied the language and the culture and practice of the day that these guys were living in. So we have the ability through that, nothing supernatural about that. We can look back because people have studied. We have more to go on than they had at that point. So we can look back with a fair amount of certainty on many, many things. They could not look forward. No, and, and neither can we, and, that, and the, that's and good. exactly right. That's we really they good. could not look forward and say, "Well, we know Jesus meant this to apply to 2020." It it just would not have been in their minds. Right. It could not right. have been in their minds. So, while we have a distinct ability, and there are going to be, don't forget, there are going to be people. We have the distinct ability to look back 
there are going to be people after we're gone that will have a, a better ability to look back yes. and be able to see things. So we shouldn't, we should look at this as, as this beautiful opportunity that we're given because we have been given a lot of resources and we can, we can read this and say, God, I, I, I need, I need your help. I need to understand this. I need clearer eyes on this. So I I agree 100% with everything you've just said with one slight modification. I don't don't even believe it's a a correction. It's a modification. I do believe that our ability to look past includes something supernatural. Oh, it does. You you, you said said it's, it's not necessarily supernatural. That was the point. That your point was... We can look back. Hindsight. We've got hindsight. I agree 100%. I think the beauty of our position now is that God has said, I've given you many people who've looked into this that I have taught and shaped and molded over the years. You have a supernatural help. We just don't have anything looking forward, unless we're prophetic, and that would be awesome. But we just don't have that clearly. So cool. Now, now, here's the deal. and, And this podcast has been a lot of conjecture. I am going to give you my view on it in just a second. I, I wanted to wait till the end because I wanted to wait till these last couple of verses yeah. because they're, they're, they really mess with us. But I want to give you my view on it. Um, but I also want it to come with this statement that says, out of all the stuff we've bantered back and forth about here, um, the conversation is still well open to me. Yes. I, I oh, am completely. eager to hear more opinions and people say, ah, but there's another verse that would, that would say that that's a problem. So let me conclude. I'll give you my, I'll give you my take on all of this and then, um, and then open it up for you guys to really uh, contribute to this. So, so notice this again. He says, whoever seeks to keep his life is going to lose it. That's verse 33. Verse 34 says, I tell you on the night there will be two in bed and one will be taken and the other will be left. 35, there will be two women grinding and some uh, at the same place. One will be taken and the other will be left. Verse 36, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Now the secret to my view here comes in verse 37, okay? And it happens to be the question they ask of Jesus. Now, listen to what they Mm -hmm. said, because they want to know about a certain people group in those three iterations. And answering, they said to him, where, Lord? Mm -hmm. Well, just think about the question. They're not saying, where will they be left? They're saying, where will they be taken? Okay, now look at what Jesus responds to. He said to them, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. Where they're being taken is judgment, Mm. not salvation in heaven. Mm. Okay, so here's my view on all of this. Here's my view. First of all, I believe that the verses, I guess it would be verse 11 through 19 are one block in and of themselves. That's the 10 lepers. I think that they, they're set apart. I think 20 to the rest of the, uh, chap- verse 20 throughout the rest of the chapter stand as their own principle or idea. I think the Pharisees have asked the question, when do we know that the kingdom of God is coming? And Jesus says, you're blind, it's right in front of you. And you're never going to see Roman occupation, you're never going to see or you're never going to see me overthrow Roman occupation. You're not going to see that. This is political. This is this is physical, but you're not going to see it the way you're wanting to see it. I believe then he turns to his disciples and says, the days are come are going to come when you're going to long to be with me, but I have to go to my father. Okay? And I believe we see that throughout the New Testament. I believe that there's times when the Apostle Paul is groaning and he's despairing of life. And I cannot imagine him meaning anything else by his words, it is better to be with the Lord yes. <laughs> than, than to be here. It's it, to live is is you know, to, to live is good, right? But to die is gain, okay? That's a that's a powerful thing. So it seems that Jesus is saying, You're gonna long to see me, but I have to go go to my father. My life is like lightning flashing through the sky from one part to the other. It's very fast. It's coming. 
but I have to suffer first, and I have to be rejected by this very generation. Then he says, just as it happened in Noah's day, they're all eating and drinking and doing all these things, just like it happened in Lot's day and all of these other things. Same comes when the Son of Man is revealed. I'm revealed. You guys are acting like nothing is going on. There's nothing going on in your minds, but I'm being revealed right now. On that day, the one who is, verse 31, on the housetop and the one whose goods are in the house must not go down to try to keep them. I'm telling you, don't try to save your life. That's what I believe Jesus is pointing out. He then says, I tell you that in this time, there's going to become, there's going to be these moments where one is taken and one is left. Where are they taken to, the disciples ask, and Jesus says, where vultures gather. Judgment. Those people are going to be taken to judgment. So one who, who are left, those will be saved. Don't, don't try to save your life. Lay it down. Don't worry about it. Yes. God will redeem you. That's my view. Yeah. Now, that is definitely more of a preterist style view. That is definitely a different view. I don't think you can come up with a left behind idea from this, mm, yeah. but that will just make some yeah. people mad because of it. But anyway, there, there you go. I, I think that's a very, very interesting view and one that I, I certainly see points that you've made on this. I, I probably would leave, it, leave, leave with this. It, if, in my opinion, and there, so in, in my opinion, I, if, I, if you read, if you do read it, that it is opposite of what you've just said, go to 1 Thessalonians, where I believe, I believe that it clearly indicates the, what second, we, coming. the second coming. Amen. And read this and listen to, just listen to these few verses. For the Lord, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That sounds like a drastically different situation than the one Jesus has just described here in Luke. Yes. Sounds like a very, very different situation. So we are, we are not the final say on any Absolutely of this. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely so, not. It, so you may have other views of this, and that's fine. We, I encourage you to read and to study and to uh, uh, yes. get what God has I, for you. I'm glad that, I'm glad that you, you brought out the Thessalonians passage because the way, the way I would probably draw all this to a conclusion with people who really wrestle with this is the reason why you wrestle with uh, let's say you're a let's say you're a dispensationalist view uh, viewpoint. You believe in a you believe not in a rapture. We I think we all believe in that, but you believe in a um, pre-tribulation rapture. You believe that this is about the kind of left behind idea that was popularized in in Tim LaHaye's books or something like this. Um, here's why I think people get get. Uh, ruffled when they hear people challenge that view. I think they panic and think you're telling people not to be ready. That's actually nowhere in my understanding of this. Mm. I believe that Thessalonians teaches us very clearly that we ought to be ready, yes. that we ought to hold fast, we ought to stand firm, we ought to endure to the end, we ought to be uh, filled, you know, our lamps need to be filled, we need to be waiting for Jesus to return. I, I love all of that. I completely, completely agree with all of that. My contention is the same with this that that, it, that I have with Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and give you a future. That was a, a very clear promise and statement made not to us, but to captive Israel. Yes. Okay. There is a New Testament principle that governs an idea like this for us. And that would be, if God takes care of the sparrows, will he not care for you? Will, will he not provide for you? Will he not take care of you? Of course he will take care of you. My, my challenge in all of biblical interpretation, uh, in my biblical interpretation, is to get at the heart of what text speaks to what situation. And if it doesn't speak to that situation, 
I can I can put it off to the side. I need to deal with the text, only the text that are addressing the issue that I'm dealing with in that moment. Mm-hmm. So if I want to know about the Christian's prosperity or the Christian's life in the kingdom of God, I don't want to be looking to passages of pressed down, shaken together and running over the floodgates of hope, heaven opening up. What I want to look to is the fact that God, even in the midst of pain and turmoil and chaos, which are promised in this life, will give me peace through it. That I have, I have riches in heaven. I have, I have a future that is set for me. He is building something for me that I don't have to stress about. I believe that the person who panics about this thinks that the other side doesn't want people to, or is, is instructing people not to be ready. No, 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 you're mishearing. We want people to be ready. But on my side, my great worry is when we take a text out of context, it becomes approved text for nonsense. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. I am not suggesting that chapter 17 and end times views is a nonsense view. I am saying that about things like Jeremiah 29, 11 and prosperity gospel. I think that's nonsense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's a whole lot to this. And I think you put it well, uh, Barney, when you said, you know, this is open. We're, we're going to be talking about this until we know better yes. about what's yeah. going on. And I'm excited about that day yes. because I do want to know better. So, okay, guys, well, that is it for today. And we are going to wrap up Luke 17 today. We're going to take our stab at Luke chapter 18 tomorrow. And we're excited about that. Uh, as we always say, we want to hear your points of agreement, points of disagreement. Maybe we have a lot of those today. <laughs> uh, uh, we want to hear points of concern. I would love to hear it if you say, I've always thought that. I just, I, I've just never heard it put that way. Or, or I've always wondered about this. Just send us a line. It doesn't matter what you say in it. I mean, you could just say, hey, guys, how you doing? Really, you know, thanks for doing this. Right? We, yeah. We'll take that. Jerry Cluss does that a lot. And we're really appreciative of that. So uh, you can email us at piercepointchurch at gmail.com, nathanfrankhauser at gmail.com, or barneyestes at yahoo.com. And we definitely want you to like and share and comment on social media. And you can find that at the Pierce Point Facebook page. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.